Acts 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitable for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. When they had appointed a day for him, the Jewish leaders came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. How many of you been to the Four Corners? It's in the southwestern part of the United States. Been there? It's marked. It's marked with Utah and Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico. It's in this really ugly part of the country, but yet thousands and thousands of people come every year to come and stand on that spot, and they take pictures doing all kinds of crazy things, and they want to say, look what I did in, in four different states. Look what I accomplished. I'm sure, has David Rush done a, a Guinness Book of World Record there? I'm sure he must have. Juggled the most in four different states at one time. But people from all around the world literally show up to this spot to say, ah, I've been in, the, in, in four different spots. The reality is, in our humanness, We cannot be in more than one spot at one time. But the wonderful thing about our God, who is spirit, who is omnipresent, he can be all over the world. And he is. The book of Acts reveals this amazing, amazing journey with the Lord that he is going out, that the love of God is boundless. The love of God goes to the four corners of the world. 
And all throughout Acts, the Spirit is moving. And what He's doing today in our church, in us, whole community, and the big church at large, is the Spirit of God is moving. And He's entering into people's hearts and He's using us. We are chained to an unchained God, to an unbound, to an unhindered Lord. And we are bound to the unbound Word of God that keeps going out all across the world. God is not hindered. He is not bound. And the amazing thing is, is that He's using you and me. Christ's life is living out through us to bring His love and His gospel to the world. Do you remember Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And He has if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You shall receive power. You shall be My witnesses in all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and where? To the ends of the earth. That's this wonderful work that we see in the book of Acts. We come this morning to the end of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28. But the deal is, it's not the end at all. It's just the beginning. Just the beginning. We are now living out the next chapter. We are Acts 29, the church. We are writing this next chapter. Christ is continuing continuing to do His work, His continued work, through us, to all of the nations, so that they may know His love. The whole theme of our Acts study has been the Spirit-empowered church. And that is what we are. The Spirit-empowered church, Christ's continued works through us. Things are just getting started. And we are indeed living out Acts 29. You know what? The last word in Acts chapter 28 is this. Unhindered. That's the last word. And that's what we get to live out. Our God is unhindered. And I can't wait to see what He's going to do with us as a church and with the church at large in this new decade of 2020. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, I just thank You that Your Holy Spirit has come upon us. You don't leave us as orphans. You empower us. And you long to continue to live your life through us, Father. So I just pray that you will. I pray that you'll prompt us. I pray that you'll move us. I pray that you'll stir us up. I pray that you would revive us, Father, through your Holy Spirit. May we continue to live out the next chapter, Father, with your love, with your gospel, with your amazing grace, so that the world may know you. So do a good work in us this morning, we pray. We thank you that Acts 28 is not the end of the story. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Well, as we get into Acts 28, Josh did a a wonderful job of, of bringing us through the storm of Acts 27. That God delivers us through the chaos, that God is ministering to us. He's helping us to be dependent on Him. He's helping us to trust Him in the middle of the storm. And after their shipwreck, they end up on the island of Malta. It's about 50 miles uh, south of Sicily. 
kind of off the toe of the boot of Italy. And they end up on this island. It's a small island. We get from, from Malta, we get the, we get the Maltese dog uh, from Malta. We get Larry Tingler from Malta. Larry Tingler's family is all from Malta. The island's rugged, 18 miles long, 8 miles wide. It's, there's been absolutely fascinating studies on this island. Thermal geologist uh, M. Turner, he's noted this, and I find it fascinating. There is no longer any ice formations on the island. And he says that is because it has all malted away. So thank you for that. Yeah, I know, really bad, dad joke. In Paul's day, the island was called Melita. You know what Melita means? It means refuge. It means refuge. Isn't that exactly how God works? He is with us and brings us through the storm. And where does he bring us? He brings us to a place of refuge. So that we can rest in him. We can trust in him. We can be filled with him and his amazing love for us. Even though we may not even understand the storm, he brings us to this place of refuge. That's our God. That's his amazing love for us. And so he shows up. They show up, the whole crew. And what the church is marked with here is this amazing, unusual kindness. And what I want, to see, I want us to see as we study Acts 28 is these characteristics that really should be the church's characteristics of reflecting Christ to the world. And one of the things we see right off the bat is unusual kindness. Verse 2. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. He uses this term, the native people. That wasn't any sort of slander or slam against them. The, the, the Greek word actually is barbar, bar, barbarian, where we get the word barbarian from. It really just means they were people who didn't speak the Greek language. We called anybody who wasn't versed in Greek, we call them natives, barbarians. So these natives, these locals on Maltese, they showed, and, and Dr. Luke really highlights this, they showed unusual kindness. How is the Acts 29 church supposed to live out? With unusual kindness. The language says this, they showed us no little philanthropy is the Greek word. Lover of men. They gave us a lot of love and a lot of kindness. It really affected us. We had just come through this storm. Can you imagine the fire there? Just, oh Lord, thank you. God had obviously been doing a work with the people on Malta. Through his Holy Spirit, they were a pagan people, worshiping pagan gods, but God was obviously working in their hearts that they would receive those coming off the shores, all broken and wrecked. They didn't have any idea who these guys were. And unusual kindness is extended. They had some form of spirituality, but it was very pagan. C.S. Lewis calls, says this, and he calls pagans, he says, pagans are just pre-Christians. That's who they are. You see, they have, they have some form and desire for, for spiritual things. They don't quite know 
how to enter into that. They don't quite know what that all means. But they have a hunger, a hunger for spiritual things and spiritual life. Dr. Luke says they gave us unusual kindness. They give us, these pagans give us, the church, an amazing example of what it means to be Christ-like and to live out Acts 29, the continued story of Jesus. How are you showing unusual kindness? How are you bringing that to people who are hurting and in need of a warm fire? The Holy Spirit, over the Christmas uh, season, he really prompted me to, to come alongside a family that was homeless. I got a phone call, and the Lord just stirred me up and said, you need to go be with them and care for them. And so I did. I came to, and I sat with them. I found out their story. They lived in one of these uh, mobile home parks that you're hearing it all around town. They're basically saying to all these people living in the mobile home parks, they're saying, listen, uh, you're out. We're building new condos here. So you got two weeks, get out. They were one of those families. So they were evicted from their, their location. They both were working, but not making enough to, to get a new place, because you need first and last, and then you need consistent work. She, she, they both had a little boy, one years old, and she's pregnant five months. And they've been living out of their car. It really was reflective of the Christmas story. And so the Lord stirred me up to, to get them a place to stay, a hotel, and to get them food. And, and we just spent time. And again, all glory to God. I love how he uses us in his story. And that's what he does. He prompts us by the Holy Spirit. I've prepared in advance good works, my life, good works for you to step into. So we just step into them. But here's what impacted me and impacted them. I get a call from the hotel manager. And her name's Cindy, wonderful gal. And she says, uh, are you Pastor Rod? I said, yes. And she goes, have you been taking care of this family? And I kind of cringed because I thought, oh, no, they broke something or they stole something or I'm going to get a big bill, you know. And she goes, um, she goes, you know what? I sat with them and I heard their story. And I was so moved by what's going on with them. What we would like to do at the hotel is we would like to give them a whole other week free of charge during the whole Christmas season and just cover that. And she's all, are you okay with that? <laughs> and I was blown away. And the couple was blown away. And here's, here's what happened. Here was the impact. They were absolutely blown away by how God was taking care of them. And this unusual kindness from Cindy, the manager of the hotel, reflected the love of Jesus for them. The story's ongoing with them, by the way. How are we expressing unusual kindness? On Malta, it was happening. They were offering this beautiful thing. They were reflecting Christ. You know what the truth is? When we reflect kindness, it reflects Jesus because Jesus is kind. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit in our life that we become kind people. 
And wherever there is kindness, there is grace. They received us, the scriptures say. They took us in like friends, into fellowship, and they, they took care of us. And, and then Publius also brought them in and offered hospitality, philanthropy again. Come under my wing. Let me take you in. Let me express unusual kindness. And may God be glorified in these things. It's a mark of the Acts 29 church. Reflect his love. The scriptures go on in verse 3 about this time on Malta. And the time on the island is marked by healing that's taking place. And this healing that is going on on the island reveals the great healer, which is Jesus. But there's going to be all kinds of healing that takes place. And the healing is not only for the people of Malta, but the healing is for Paul as they come and as they rest and as they're renewed in the Lord on this island of refuge. Three months they get to stay there. Three months of being allowed to be ministered to by the Lord and then they are able to minister to the people and reveal His power, reveal His authority through miracles of healing and touching upon their lives. That's how God is using Paul. Can we be an Acts 29 church that lives out with a touch of healing, healing to the soul, providing the beautiful truths of who Jesus is, comforting people in their suffering? So here Paul washes up on shore along with the other guys. The unusual kindness is offered. Fire is made. Paul doesn't just sit there and say, oh, thank goodness, make me a fire. No, he gets right in there. He picks up wood. He's adding to the fire. And right in the middle of that, all of a sudden a snake kind of warms up and jumps out, grabs a hold of his hand. Dr. Luke's really clear, like it had a firm grasp. Everybody knows it's a poisonous snake. They're ready for him to drop dead. You you can envision Paul sitting here with a snake on his hand, gripped on strong, and just kind of talking to the Lord and just going, really, Lord? The storm wasn't enough, the shipwreck? Really? But God's going to reveal himself with his power through a miraculous, miraculous healing that takes place. There's been many hymns and and many songs and stories written about this scene. I I wanted you to be familiar with this one hymn that's out there. let's, Let's play that hymn. I'm sure you've heard it. Okay, poet T. Swift, you've heard of her, I'm sure. When a snake bites you, just shake it off. Shake it off, that serpent devil. Get in the fire. Paul shakes off the snake. But Paul is living out in the power of Christ and his authority and pointing to him. In Mark 16, Jesus is meeting, the resurrected Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he's giving them a great commission. He's saying, I want you to go out to all the nations, preaching the gospel, baptizing them, 
in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want you to go out to all the nations, and if they believe in me, they shall be saved. And here's what's going to happen. There's going to be signs that will accompany the apostles, those who believe in my resurrection. They're going to speak in languages that are understood, tongues. They're going to heal people, and they will be healed and taken care of. They are going to be bitten by snakes, but they will not be harmed. Mark 16, look it up. I think Paul is living out this prophecy of Jesus. This is what's going to take place. And what's going to happen is you are going to be used to reveal my authority, my love, my amazing grace through these miracles and through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul lives that out on the island of Malta. He's dealing with their superstitious thinking. They're thinking, hey, guess what? This snake's on his hand. Justice got him. They personify justice. Justice got him. He's going to drop dead. He shakes it off in the fire. He doesn't swell up. He's actually doing just fine. Next thing you know, like in Acts 14, they think now he's a god. See, they understand spiritual things. They're trying to understand this power. They're trying to understand what's going on. He's this God. I'm sure Paul was very clear in going, oh, no, I'm not a God. But I am a servant of the Most High God. That's who I am. That's why this took place. It's His power. It's His authority. It has nothing to do with me. All pointing to Jesus. You need to start to understand something about what God is doing here. And I guarantee you he was sharing that with those people. So a miracle takes place. We too are servants of the Most High God. Next thing you know, we see in verse 8 and 9, Publius' father is sick, and he goes over and he prays over him, and he heals him instantaneously. Then all the people on the island, what do they do? They start coming over, and he heals them. But two different Greek words. Publius' father, instant. All the people on the island, it's the Greek word therapuo, where we get therapy. It's this ongoing healing that's taking place. It's, it's time together. Have you ever been in physical therapy? Do you just go to physical therapy and just get worked on? No, you're spending all this time talking with your physical therapist, aren't you? I guarantee you that Paul and Luke and all those who are following the Lord, they are taking three months doing therapy, sharing the love of Jesus, sharing what this is all about, what God has been doing with them. Do you know why I know they were doing that, even though it doesn't state it in the Scriptures? Because Paul did that everywhere he went. He couldn't shut up about the love of Jesus. He couldn't shut up about how he'd been transformed on the road to Damascus. I was one who hated Christians, and God changed my life forever. And he gave me new life and a new heart, and he gave me salvation and forgiveness for my sins. I'm sure for three months he was doing therapy. I think the Acts 29 church is marked by therapy a healing for our souls, that we would bring that to people, that we would share the good news, that they might be healed by the great healer. 
Paul lived this out, shook off the snake, healed those who were sick and wounded, caring for the people and what was going on in their life. Three months. Let us be a church that brings healing to a hurting world. The next scene that we see, starting in verse 11, and one of the things as we live out as an Acts 29 church is that we, we bring encouragement. We uplift one another. We uplift the downtrodden. We come alongside those who are hurting in our church family and outside of our church family. Who's God calling you to do that with? After three months, verse 11, we set sail on a ship and we had wintered in the island. The ship had twin gods. There was an image. There were twin brothers. They were Zeus's mythical sons, Castor and Pollux. They were supposed to protect sailors. They were guardians of them. And it's said of these two that they were taken up into the sky and they became the two stars of Gemini in the sky. And so we got onto the boat, and verse 12, we put in at Syracuse, and we stayed at Syracuse for three days. I'm sure just ministering the gospel, bringing healing, bringing truth, bringing kindness. And verse 13, and from there we made a circuit, we went to Reguium. And one day after the south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. And in Puteoli, there, we found brothers, and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. I just love this. How encouraging this must have been for Paul. He hadn't been to Rome yet. And yet, all of a sudden, he's finding brothers and sisters who are there, and they're welcoming him in. Seven days, that has the idea of not only a literal seven days, but all throughout Scripture, seven means complete. I think, I think Paul was just filled full of the love of God for him. He knew God had called him to Rome. And he's finding on the way, brothers, sisters who love Jesus. The gospel was going out. Why? Because God is not bound. His spirit is unhindered. And he's living his life out through the saints, and they're going out and spreading the gospel. The Acts 29 church. How are we bringing out the gospel? Paul had written the book of of Romans three years earlier than that. And to come and to see, oh my goodness, God, you are impacting these people You are faithful. You are keeping your promise. And he had told Paul four years before this time, you will be testifying in Rome. Four years ago he told him that. It's always a good reminder for us, God's timetable is not our own. We have to be a patient people, trusting God that he keeps his promises, trusting God that he is good in the middle of the waiting And so God does this amazing work. And so he arrives, and then in verse 14, we came to Rome, and there were brothers there. They heard about us. They came as far as the form of Appius. And then they also came to the three taverns. These are 30 and 40 miles away from where Paul is. They came out to encourage, to be with Paul. 
And look at this in verse 15. When Paul saw them coming down the road to greet him, Paul thanked God and he took incredible courage. He was encouraged to his soul. And then he went and stayed in Rome and he was there for several years. We are to live as an Acts 29 church unhindered in our encouragement for the saints and our encouragement for those who are broken and hurting, lifting them up. This is a beautiful mark of Christianity, koinonia, fellowship, bringing up, reminding people of who God is in the middle of the pain and the struggle. How encouraging for Paul. All of his ministry And guess what? There were saints who were in love with Jesus. Who are you encouraging? Who is God prompting you through the Holy Spirit to call or to go visit? Maybe it's a long flight, but you know that the Lord wants your presence there. Don't don't withstand the promptings of the Spirit. Don't push them away. Respond to them. You see, because God is doing his work. And Paul is led to this place. He goes along the Appian Way to Rome. This is Cobblestone Road that leads. You can go to this day and you can take the Appian Way into Rome like Paul did. And there he is in prison, but there he ministers as well. Who can you encourage right now? Who can you come alongside? Who will you go out of your way to minister to? Because really, a lot of times, it's sacrifice. It costs money. It's time. But who is God asking you to encourage so that you can fill them full of the love of Jesus? I think about one of the ways that we can encourage people in this church is, is with all of our global outreach workers. All that they're doing, all that their lives spend. A lot of times, when you're out in another country, different land, it gets really lonely. And many of you are writing letters or you're you're sending finance to to help allow them to do ministry. Keep doing that. Let's keep encouraging. Let's go to lunch today and and hear about Jeremy and Becca and all that God is doing as he's continuing his Acts 29 church through them in the Middle East. But encourage them. Come alongside them. Lift them up. As we think about Zach and Mel, all these others that are out doing ministry, and they're new out there. Joan and Aaron and I, they're just getting started. Let's encourage them. The last thing I see in the way that we're living out the Acts 29 church, this new chapter, God still, Jesus still working through us, starts in verse 17. It's unhindered gospel proclamation. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at their lodging. They came in great numbers. These are the Jewish leaders and the Jews in the community. Listen to this. From morning till evening, all day, he expounded. He opened up the scriptures. And he talked to them about, look how this works. Look at the Old Testament. Look at the law and the prophets. Look how they speak about the coming Messiah. What I want to tell you is, is that everything that the Old Testament has been speaking to about the long-awaited Messiah can be found in Jesus Christ. All day long, they listen to this. 
Paul believed in the hope of Israel, Jesus. The outcome of this all-day-long session, it says in the Scriptures, some were convinced, and then others disbelieved. Here's the deal, gang. Some were convinced. Do you understand? Some people's hearts were moved to come and to know Jesus Christ. They, they came to understand all that the Scriptures talked about the Messiah. There is an amazing group today. Jews for Jesus. All of these Jews who just held on strongly to the Old Testament and saying, no, Jesus isn't the Messiah. But then someone explained to them who Jesus really is, and now they're followers of Jesus Christ. Some were not convinced and got angry. Here's the deal. Every time we preach the gospel, it's going to be an aroma of death or an aroma of life. The same fire that melts the wax also hardens the clay. But keep preaching the gospel. Unhindered. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of men who would believe in him. And the Acts 29 church is to be marked with this. Us. This is the next chapter. This is the next story. And so we keep proclaiming. Because it's not an intellectual battle. It's a battle for the heart, for the soul of men. And Paul speaks out, the Lord prophesied about this. The Lord made mention that this was going to happen. That you're going to hear it, but you're not going to believe in Isaiah 6. That's going to keep happening today. Even though there's overwhelming evidence that Jesus is the Christ. That he is the lover of your souls. And I would just encourage you today, if God is stirring up your heart, that he's moving his love into your heart, don't resist that. Because our hearts become harder and harder the more we resist. Be transformed. Be saved. Have your sins forgiven. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so he kept on preaching. Let it be known to you the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. He lived there two years. He welcomed all who came to him. That's so much like Jesus, right? Let us be a people who welcome all who come to the table. And make sure your table is welcome for all. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and final word, unhindered. That's the Acts 29 church. What happened to Paul? Is this the end of the story? As we close the book, it's kind of abrupt. What happened to Paul? So he's two years in prison. He ends up writing Philippians and Colossians and Philemon and Ephesians. And all of his letters are filled with Christ and who he is. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm right in the middle of prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why? Because Christ has set me free. 
Don't be anxious for anything. Make those things known to God. And then he is released from prison, as far as we can tell. And he goes out and he writes some other books and he ministers to some other people. But then Rome burns. Nero, the emperor, in 66, gets him back into prison, captures him back into prison. And this is a dark prison. And from here he writes 2 Timothy. From here he says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but guess who else? To all who have loved His appearing, to all who love Jesus Christ, the outcome of all of this is I will appear with Him in heaven before the Holy Father. I am saved. I have eternity with Christ my Savior. I've run this race. Then history says he was brought outside the Roman gates and he was beheaded. Is that the end of the story? Are you kidding? It's just the beginning. All of his writings, all the scripture, all that we know about Jesus, we continue now as the Acts 29 church to proclaim the good news to proclaim the life of Christ, to bring forth unusual kindness and healing and encouragement and proclamation of the gospel, no matter how the people are going to respond. We're not to become a monument like the empty cathedrals in all of Europe. Dead. No, we're to continue to write this story. And it's written by Christ who is living his life through us. The continued work of Jesus through the saints. That's you and me. But we are to be the church. Be the church. Be a worshiping church like Julie talked about this morning. Be a church that loves one another so that when people see our love for each other, they go, what is it about you? And their lives are changed. It's a testimony to Jesus. We're to be a church that gives and shares the gospel. Well, what does it mean for us, Cole Community Church? I was thinking through, what does it look like for us to be Acts 29, to write this next chapter? Practically, what are some things that God is stirring up in you? I want you to really take time in your growth group this week, if you haven't done it already, and just talk, what is God stirring you towards? Because here's what I know. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and kicking, and He's moving in you, and He's prompting you to live out His life, to live out the life of Christ. My dear friend Joe Tony. He started uh, these monthly gatherings, these monthly chapels, and we're going out together to the prison out there in CUNA, and we're doing chapel, and Joe's leading that whole thing. Maybe God might stir you up to join us, to go love up prisoners, which I'm pretty sure the scriptures say, go love up prisoners. Maybe he's telling you to do that. We're seeing all kinds of people who are working in the Chrysalis House and the rescue mission or loving refugees in this community, working in the King's Garden. What is God stirring you up to do? I'm going to be teaching a three-week class coming up. And it's all going to be about what does it look like to be a neighbor? Really living out Acts 29. How can we be the church as a neighbor? What does that look like? 
Maybe it's going on one of our global outreach projects. Maybe going to Moldova, encouraging our outreach workers, proclaiming the gospel to the next generation for the children's ministry. One of the things I want you to all get involved with is in May, May 1 through 3, there's going to be a Harvest Crusade coming to Boise at Extra Mile Arena. Three days of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you now to be praying, Lord, who do you want me to invite to come hear the good news of Jesus Christ? The Acts 29 church, that people are going to be turned and fall in love with you. Be praying now for that. You see, this list is, is never ending. Do you want to know why? Because we have a resurrected Jesus Christ who is alive. And our resurrected Jesus Christ is continuing to live through us. And so may we be a church, Acts 29, living out the life of Christ unhindered. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your amazing good word. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and moving and stirring us. And I really do pray that you will do that this morning in us. I pray as we celebrate and worship, I pray that, that uh, you do a great work in us as we rejoice in baptisms this morning. Father, we love you and we're amazed at all that you're doing. We want to be part of your kingdom work, Father. So reveal that to us. In your beautiful and precious name, Jesus. Amen.